Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. What is going on in this particular text? If you read the whole of Luke 14, is Jesus is, if, if you go to the first verse, it just says, after the, you know, Sabbath, on the Sabbath, Jesus was invited to one of the leaders' house for a meal. One of you and every one of you in this room can relate to what Jesus just did in this text because he was at church just like you and I were, or the synagogue, the community center, and after the service was over, after all the preaching, he went and hung out and did life and began to eat. Church is not an event you do, it's a lifestyle. And Jesus was demonstrating this lifestyle even when he was on earth. It's not, I've done my Sunday duty and I'm gone home. Jesus went home with some folks in his congregation. Now the scripture says that the reason that they invited Jesus, which is in verse two of Luke 14, is so that they could watch him. They weren't inviting him because they liked him, but he was going and accepting the invitation because he loved them. They were watching him to find out if he could really, uh, you know, uh, if he could stand up to their scrutiny, if he could function within their environment, if they could speak to him long enough to trick him into an off behavior or, or, or an off moment, they're watching him. I want you to know that someone in your home, in your neighborhood, on your job, someone is watching you. They were watching Jesus, and, and the same thing they wanted to know about Jesus is the same thing they want to know about us. It, are you really authentic? Do you really have power? Are, are you really who you say you are? And I want to put it to the test, putting you in the environment. And in the moment that Jesus gets into the environment, he becomes the light of the environment. He becomes the star of the show. He is invited. He is not the host. He is not the focus of the banquet, but his, all the attention is on him. Why? Because when Jesus enters a room where people really don't recognize fully who he is, they don't have the kingdom concept or the gospel of Jesus Christ fully alive and active in them, that is his cue that he's on. He's on to do ministry and to do work. I want you to know when you come into environments, when you are not uh, with all the believers, this is not your moment to lay back and say, I'm going to play it cool. This is not your moment to say, you know, someone else will do it or, or they got it. This is your moment, like Jesus is about to demonstrate to us, for your light to shine, for you to make known the good news about who he is. Now, even if you're in an environment like Jesus where people gave the appearance that they were for you and yet the double speak that they're against you and they're looking for an occasion, they're getting close to you just to pull you down. 
You have an agenda with them. My son will tell you, we have a statement in our home. If you ever walk into a room, son, and there's no Christian leader leading in that room, I'll ask him the question, who is the leader? His response will be, I am. Because whenever you and I are in places where God is not completely Lord, then you have a level of authority that you can step in with because the agenda is not their agenda, it's a kingdom agenda to advance a kingdom purpose. And you're going to see Jesus doing, I'm going to lead, I'm going to tell you in advance something that he's doing because I used up some time earlier, but, but, but you're going to see it through everything I say. He's going to keep telling them this statement. It's not this, but that. You, you, you not this, but that. You think it's this that you should be focused on. And I'm telling you it's not, you should be focused on that. You should have a heart like that. You should have a mind like that. Now, because the first thing they did is they invited Jesus to the banquet, and Jesus is there, and he does something out of the ordinary. He begins to um, communicate to someone who has a disease called dropsy. Dropsy is a, a swelling of the face. Some people thought it was elephantitis. Some people thought it was a form of leprosy, but I don't believe that because he wouldn't have been around people. But it was some dropsy. It was some deformity that allowed those people at the banquet to be around him enough, but not deal with him at all. And Jesus is showing them that this, not, not this, ignoring a need in the room, but that, healing a need in the room. He, before he heals the man, he asked him a question. He said, do you think it's lawful for me to heal this man on the Sabbath? And the Bible says they were silent. Let me let you know, when you go out into your community and you begin to advance the kingdom agenda, there is a silence that will come over the room when you actually step up with authority because it's not the agenda that they're talking about. Not this, but it's that. It is God's agenda. Now, they begin to say, is it lawful? So, so is, it, is it the law or is it grace? No, it's not the law. It's about the grace. And so you've got to be able, like Jesus is giving a context for what we're going to read about why he is and how he's dealing with these people. They're taking the best seat. He goes on to teach them. He said, I'm on a roll. I'm going to keep teaching. He said, you know, you guys, the way you arrange it, it reminds me of a story, he said, of a man who sits in a gets invited to a wedding, and instead of taking the lowest seat, he takes the highest seat. But then somebody greater than him comes in, and he takes the seat. Don't you know the humble will be exalted, and, the, and, and those who exalt themselves will be humble? You, 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 came, you come as a servant. Don't come in as a... It's not this trying to get to the top by any means necessary, trying to, trying to pose for those peers and those people. I don't, it's not this. It's, that, it's, it's taking the form of a servant and humbling yourself and become obedient, obedient unto death, even to death. That's how my disposition is. This is what I'm doing. I am the, still the king of kings. I'm still the Lord of lords. But I wrap myself in the likeness of sinful flesh, and I'll, and I'll actually serve you. I'll serve humanity. He's trying to demonstrate. It's not this that you're doing. It's that. What is he doing? He's attacking. I'm going fast because I wasted time before. Okay, don't, don't get mad at me. So I, I know that I'm going fast. He's he's trying to go and attack the Jewish mindset at the time of elitism. We're the best, and we've got it, and we're the most godly. And he gets all the way down to verse 12, and he begins to tell them a story that's going to punch punch them in the face with not this, but that. Give me verse 12. Then Jesus said to the host, 
Jesus is now about to address the person who invited him to the party. When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends. Not this. Don't invite your friends, your brothers, or your sisters, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back and you be repaid. He, the, the context in the original language is not telling them not to invite them ever, but don't make it your habitual practice to only invite your relatives, your neighbors, or your rich friends. This is what the context of the text is saying. He doesn't want you to invite people who are the most familiar with you, the people who are on your same economical status, educational status, your relatives, your close neighbors. It's a given that you should be loving on your neighbors and those close family friends and everybody else. But if you habitually only do it for them to the exclusion of others, then you're not doing it. And he said, when you do it for them, he said, they have the ability as you scratch their back for them to scratch their, they can, you invite them, they'll invite you. It's just a constant exchange of light to light, blessing to blessing, but that doesn't mean you're dealing with the need. And Jesus had already demonstrated to them in the first two verses when he healed the man with dropsy, that there were some people that were around the luncheon that were not getting the attention. He is dealing with the attitude and the disposition. And why would it be important for us to preach this in church because there are people that are around us who we are still segregated from. We're still separated from in the heart. So our hearts don't go out toward each other, but our hearts begin to simply align with my wife, my family, my kids, my friends, and other business people that might do me a favor. And it's nothing wrong with that, but if that is your habitual practice and you cannot turn the corner to other practices, then it'd be some, something that God says, not this, not this. Verse 13 says, but when you give a banquet, do this. Invite the poor, the cripple, the lame, the blind. Verse 13, let's stay, stick on it for a minute. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor. You know, one of the reasons that the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind don't make it into our stratosphere is because all of them require help. All of them need us to get to the luncheon. You, you, don't, you don't just invite a crippled person. You say, can I give you a ride? Would you like me to pick you up? in my car. You don't tell a blind person, come on down to 5670 Grand White Pike. That's why we have a service. You know, you know, you can find it. Look it up on the internet. They're blind. You know? We don't want to interact with this group, even though Jesus says, it's, it's not this, that other, it's, it, but that. It, it, what is the that? It's this group. But interacting with this group takes time, takes intimacy, takes care. I don't want you to think this is a message designed to polarize us, but it is a text that God gave me and it brings conviction for sure. 
None of us can avoid the conviction it brings, but it is not, again, me as the preacher saying something about you. I guarantee you as I'm reading this text for the 50th time, it is only bringing conviction that my, my life is not fully aligned the way it should be with Christ. I'm telling you I've got a problem in this text because I find myself. I don't want to preach the text to you because I'm guilty of the text. I like to preach the stuff where I'm already free. It made me feel good about myself, and I can tell y'all what you're doing wrong. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm caught all up in, the, in the, doing the this stuff instead of the that stuff. It says, now, if you fix this, here's what verse 14 tells us. And when you do this, you'll be blessed. Here's what all of us want to land at, the blessing, the favor, the goodness, the benevolence of God, the overwhelming outflow. It does not come when your neighbors repay you. It doesn't come from hanging around the people of just like-mindedness. It's the Bible says, he that have pity on the poor lends to God. It says, God says, now when you, when you condescend the men of low degree, you're really helping me out, and then I start paying up. And what you're really going to realize as you go further is this something called the kingdom mindset. How you know, although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus saying, I don't care if you don't see it showing up in your bank account, showing up by me extending you more time or giving you something right away. When you advance the kingdom in the way that I designed for you to advance the kingdom, don't you know what I'm putting on your books in heaven? And you want them books in heaven. The Bible says, don't be so, it don't say it this way, but that's why I say, don't be so earthly minded, you know, heavenly good. Don't be so heavenly minded, you know, earthly good. He says, store up treasure in heaven where no man can steal. You're supposed to be thinking about your heavenly bank account. Watch this. Whenever Jesus gets to teaching real good, it's always some little Yahoo in the, in the crowd. They're about to say something, about to pipe up. Here come a little pipe up spirit. Here it come. Verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is everyone who eats at the feast of the kingdom of God. Because the first thing we want to do when we're in a service like that, when a moment like that, is say, I'm not them people. I'm the people who helped the poor. I'm those people. Because I think last year in 2017 or whatever, because I, I gave to the Salvation Army. I know y'all want me to move right on past that part because you, you done found yourself as a pipe upper. You see, it's always somebody who's looking for relief from the word, not obedience to the word. He's looking, instead of just saying, man, you're making a good point, Jesus. Jesus, you're bringing conviction. Jesus, you're making it clear. He, he, he's already counting. You know, we're, we're already pious. I gave him the, the, the offering. But Jesus never preaches a message that's not relevant to the people he's talking to. The only appropriate response was, Lord, I want to be blessed like that. What do I need to do? Like the rich young ruler asked, what, what else do I need to do? Jesus will tell you. That was his, he, that's what he should have said. 
Because it's not this law, but it's that grace. It's, it's not this taking the best seat. It's that taking the lowest seat. It's not this inviting your friends and, and all the people close to you habitually and never inviting, but it's that inviting the poor and the cripple and all of that. It's not this uh, going only always with your own ethnicity and being comfortable with it. I'm black, so of course I, I like hanging with black people. Black jokes are funny. You know, there's certain jokes you can't say when you're not around all black people because they won't get it. Get your Royal Engagement t-shirts, Royal Engagement t-shirts. There's certain things that's from a movie that's famous. Some of y'all didn't want to identify yourself that you know that movie. It's okay. There's several things that I can do for the black community and they're just... <laughs> and you know what? It's refreshing when you're around a group of people who just make you feel better about yourself and your ethnic group. So what you do is you gravitate to that. But it's not this, not here. God gave you, put the hands up, put the hands up. Hands up, boom. God gave you this. See that diversity? Means for us, we have committed to not habitually be with our familiar group. That's not our practice. Ours is to look for others who don't look like us or have the same background as us and say, you didn't know it, but we're going to be friends. And instead of saying, I can only have that joke with black people, I'm going to teach you some of the stuff that black people like to do so you can do it and you can have a little secret and we got the secret and it's fun and you give me some stuff. Because it's not this separation kind of stuff we're dealing with. It's not this uh, 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 your people, my people kind of stuff. When you get to the house of God, we take on this multi-colored, multi-ethnic body of Christ having, worshiping Jesus together, but we, we take on something else. And when our environment starts being dominated by one ethnicity, we just start lopping stuff off. I don't know. I think Bethel is getting a little different then deal with it. <laughs> deal with it by saying, we better start reaching people who don't look like us and talk like us and are not educated the same way as us. That's one of the ways we express it. Now, Jesus, now the, the brother then piped up, and Jesus is about to give a full illustration of it's not this, but it's that. He's about to give a full illustration. Verse 15. One of those, no, no, verse 16. Jesus replied. Whenever Jesus replied to you, you really want to be on the right side of that reply. You don't want to be the person he's making an illustration out of. I just want to let you know that. This is for fun. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Now he's illustrating for you some of the mindset that you need to have if you're going to be the host that he is. Many. The diversity of people, 
And as you see, he, he, he's already being inclusive with his language and the Jewish people that he's speaking to are exclusive by nature. How do you know? Well, uh, I'll wait and tell you that. Verse 17. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Can you imagine Jesus is a servant? God is a host, Jesus is a servant, and he's coming, hey, we got it ready. Now, you, you have to understand that he had already been out giving invitations everywhere. And the assumption that he had made about the group coming up is, surely they would already know what we're doing and they've come all the way in. Because an invitation went out in two phases. First phase was for you to, to um, hear about it and send an RSVP, you're coming. And then they say on the day of the event, we'll tell you what time to show up. So a servant was sent out to say, the meal is ready now. The time is now. The day of salvation is now. The time to stop sinning is now. The time to surrender is now. The time to give in is now. The time to repent is now. The time to come is now. And here's what the scripture said that those invitees did. Verse 18. But they all alike began to make, say that word with me. Say it again. Say it again. Have you ever been around somebody that knew how to make a good excuse? Now, I'm a king excuse maker if you ask me to come help you move. I don't move no more. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 my wife got some stuff for me to do. Okay, you know, I would, I would help you, but that's lying. First of all, I would not help you. I'll help you pay for something. I don't want to move. Don't ever ask me to help you move your furniture. No, I don't want to move. I did my duty already. I know how to make excuses on moving. Oh, my back and my knee, you know. I got into that age, you know. My finger, my, I got a door jam, you know, stuff. Turf toe. The first said, I have bought a field, and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Now, you know this is a lie. Who do you know that buys something they never saw in his land? He lying. This is not an excuse. This is a lie. People lying. So when you, next time you invite somebody to church, say, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm going to have to work. You don't have to work. That's lying. No, don't. That's a little tough. Don't. <laughs> I'm just saying people be lying to the Bibles in the, verse 19. And another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. You act like if you already bought them, they waiting on you. You can eat, finish the meal, and then go. But you want to drive that new car now. Sometimes the desire for things get in the way of the love of God. Verse 20. Still another 
Jesus is making this point hardcore. Said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, you know, this seemed like a real good excuse. But I venture to say, because they had already said yes to the RSVP, that they probably just got married a month or two ago. And all they need to do is the smartest thing is enter into the relationship with the host. The host, I'll tell you again, is God. Denying his invitation is severe. Verse 20. One, yeah. The servant came back and reported to his master. The owner, uh, the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quick into the streets, the alleys, and the towns, and bring in the poor, the cripple, the blind, and the lame. Because I know that the invitation went out to everyone because it went out to many. And I want you to bring in these folks. He didn't say, I want you to go invite them again. What did he say, do? What did he say, do? Because can the cripple get there without you? Can the lame get there without you? Can the blind get there without you? So maybe you got to do a little more work. Do it quick. Verse 22. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. In this room, there is room. And it sends a message to our church, there is work. Let's not hide that from each other. Let's just say that out loud. We bless financially. We bless. We actually well off enough to not do the kingdom work. Ride it out in comfort. But that's not the assignment. And it's not my job. It is the church's job to go out and send the invitations and compel them and bring them in. It's our job to bring in the cripple. It's our job to bring in the hurting, to bring in the lame, to bring in people who don't look like you. Verse 23, then the master said to his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Even if you do everything I say do, keep going with this invitation that is for everyone, all are called. This gospel message is not exclusive to the Jewish community. It's not exclusive to the Christian community. It is for the whole world. Your atheist boss, the gospel is for him. Every agnostic, every Hindu, every Baha, every Muslim, this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is for you. The invitation is for you. And I'm going to keep going out until you come in and it is full and then it is full again until kingdom come. He says... Final verse, you can stand to your feet on the final verse. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get the taste of my banquet. He's saying this business 
of going out and compelling them to come in is so important that if you get there and they deny your invitation, he said it won't just be some earthly temporal thing, it'll be eternal. They won't even make it up to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Our invitations are not carnal invitations exclusively to after church events. Our invitations are inviting people into a relationship with the bread of life. And what if, and what if our church would receive corporately this divine word, this divine manna that God has given us? What if we receive the burden for the world in the same way that Jesus Christ has given it to us? What if we went out and compelled or really urged people to come and begin to bring them? What would we look like? What would we be like? How would our world and paradigm change? How would the energy change? How would your heavenly bank account change? How would your individual life change if you can and I cared about people more. Again, I am not beating you up. I'm calling you up because it's not this, but it's that gospel message that brings a blessing. Minister team, you can come down. Give God praise and glory. I'm going, to end the, I'm going to end the church service, and this is simply how it ends. I was tempted not to even talk about our outreach next week because it seems like an oversimplification, oversimplification of a deep message. But I do want you to understand that both you and I are in a partnership to advance the kingdom of God. I'm doing whatever I can to win lost people to Jesus. But this is the work we do together. As a church, we go through a lot of work to do something that may seem silly. I got mad. I'm doing all, I don't even remember doing all that stuff I saw on the screen. But I'm doing it for lost people. I got a lot of things to do with my time. The movie and doing popcorn and is a tool for you to pick up that ticket. And it maybe it's too hard, but you can go out and do an invitation. Go out and full a van load of kids. Kids gonna get saved next week. Children, I've led many children to the Lord. They get saved, they guess what? They actually stay saved. Many teenagers, many adults. But it's what we do together. Compel them. Bring them or compel them, but that you cannot, you gotta say stuff like, you can't miss this. Whatever has been silencing your voice, I'm praying that it be broken off of you in Jesus' name. Fill his house. To fill his house, you simply need laborers that will go out. The harvest is already ripe. When you walk in the room, you're much like Jesus. You are the leader. You are the light. You are a city that sits on a hill that cannot be hidden. Bow your head, close your eyes. You and Jesus lock in for just 30 seconds and you make a fresh commitment to him. It's not my commitment to him. It's beyond a church commitment to him. It is what is your individual commitment to him. And if you don't see yourself in this vision, 
in conversation with Jesus being fruitful, you're not getting the right picture yet. You need to see yourself reaching out and being part of the narrative that saves the lost. You need to see yourself preaching the gospel. You need to say to yourself, I don't know the gospel where extending a card or extending a prayer. If you feel any guilt or any condemnation while you're praying, that is not the Lord. The Lord is here to tell you what you can do, what you can be, how you can uh, move forward in him, how you can advance the kingdom. He loves you. And he's inviting you to do the work with him. If you've watched this message and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I've got good news. You can do it right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I need you, my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. And I confess that you are now Lord of my life. If you've just prayed that prayer, I have good news for you. You have eternal life. The next step for you is to get in a Bible-believing church. We volunteer to be that church. But if not us, we pray God's blessings on you as you search for God's best for you. Thank you.